This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Listeners like you make this show possible and keep our lights on. You can join up with other Oh My Dollar community members to support episode transcripts and more by making a pledge of $1 or more per month and get cool perks like cat stickers and a special badge on our forums. This episode was underwritten by the Tamsin G Association, Warrior Queen, and Chris Giddings. To learn more, you can visit ohmydollar.com slash support. Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful. Here, we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. I'm your host, Lillian Kerbake, and it's Healthcare Month. As you may have noticed, today we are here in video form as well as audio form. So if you are listening to the audio version, you can also check out a video version by clicking the link in the show notes. Otherwise, if you're here for video, welcome. We're still figuring this out, so... But it's time for a, our third annual healthcare month. And let me tell you, covering American healthcare is getting more and more depressing each year. I'm having a great time with it. Uh, we ask people every year to send in our questions about healthcare and what their general issues are with it. And this year is uh, no exception to making me more and more depressed. So today we're going to answer a common question that people have, which is what is the difference between copays and coinsurance? Um, like many things involved in healthcare, they make up weird names that confuse you and sound the same so that you have really no idea what's going on. Uh, and it's one of those things where it can make the difference between tens of thousands of dollars if you don't know what you're getting into. So it's good to know what the difference between copay and coinsurance is when you are shopping for a new plan or you're trying to pick a plan at work. So generally, the first thing to know is that copay and coinsurance are con what are considered cost sharing measures, which means that the health insurance company pays part of it and you pay part of it. As you may discover, that is not always true. Sometimes it just means that you pay all of it. Uh, but copayment is a term you're probably familiar with. That's usually what you pay if you go pick up a drug at the pharmacy or what you pay when you go visit for a doctor's appointment. And depending on the type of insurance you have, that copayment might be $0, it might be $5, it might be $100. And copayments completely vary based on not only your health insurance plan, but the type of thing you're getting. So when you look at the list for different types of copay and coinsurance, which should be included in the prospectus for your health insurance. So if you're on healthcare.gov, you should be able to find it in the list on healthcare.gov or your state exchange, or it should be presented to you in a table uh, when you're choosing your health insurance at work. So you should have this information in front of you about copay versus coinsurance. The copayment 
Well, there's two ways that it can be applied. Copayment can either be before deductible or after deductible. Deductible, as we've talked about before, is the amount that you as an individual are responsible for paying before your health insurance kicks in. However, there's a number of things that on a ACA compliant health insurance plan will actually generally have uh, no copayment or you won't be required to pay pay the entire amount before you hit the deductible. So when you're looking through copayment, you want to look for it, if it says deductible applies, that means if you have a $500 deductible, you're going to be responsible for paying $500 worth of services or drugs before the copayment kicks in. So if you have, say, a $25 copayment on your monthly medication, but it says deductible applies, that means that you're going to have to pay the full amount of your medication until you hit that $500. So if your copay is only $25, but the drug actually costs $150 a month, then that means that you're going to hit your deductible after paying $150 until it hits $500. So in that case, generally, it would be by the fourth month of the year. If the only thing you were getting was a monthly medication, then you would hit your deductible, and then the copay would kick in. For a lot of other drugs, there is what's called a copay before deductible. And you'll see, you know, dollar copay before or after deductible written on your policy. And the great part about that is that means you don't have to hit your deductible. That is very helpful if you're on a high deductible plan. So my deductible on my plan is $6,000, which means that I would probably be paying for copays all year long if I didn't hit it and if my medication was not $5,800 a month, which is a different story. <laughs> but the great thing about kind of knowing the difference between the two is it gets you a better idea of what you actually have to budget out if you know what that is. One of the most frustrating things can be is, oh, you just have a cold. You just want to go get, you know, some basic drug for your cold that requires you to get a prescription well, it turns out that's a $500 cold because you have a $500 deductible and you needed to go to the doctor, pay the full cost of seeing the doctor, and also pay the full cost of that medication. And then you hit your deductible and theoretically your healthcare would be a lot less the rest of the year, but it can be very frustrating because you don't want to go to the doctor if you know it's going to cost you $500. Uh, so the reduced flat fee of a copayment, it really, really can vary. And this is one of those things where it's very important to look into. And one of the big areas where this can trip you up is often there'll be a certain kind of copay for going to a doctor and you'll be like, oh, great. I only have to pay $25 when I go to the doctor. But there's a different copay for a specialist. So I'm in the case where the vast majority of my healthcare providers are specialists because I have a rheumatologist and my specialist copay is actually $200 to see a specialist versus $25 to see my primary care physician. However, my rheumatologist is the only one who can actually see me for most things or prescribe the medication I'm on. So it's important to be aware of that. Um, a lot more kinds of doctors than you might think are considered specialists. Sometimes OBGYNs are considered specialists, um, not always under all health insurance plans. So just be aware. If you are on an ACA-compliant plan, uh, there are things that can always be covered with no copayment. So that is your annual physical checkup, 
should have a copayment of zero, regardless of what your normal copay is to see the doctor. Certain kinds of screening should be covered um, if you're at a certain age on ACA. And additionally, um, annual well women exams uh, and some other kind of OBGYN care for folks can be covered with no copay and deductible. It's worth looking into. Now, that we've unpacked all of the fun with copayment. What is coinsurance? Well, plans might have coinsurance or copayment, or they might have both. So copayment is always set at a flat fee. The flat fee varies based on the type of service that you're getting. So, you know, $50, $100, $200. But coinsurance is a percentage. So it is a form of cost sharing that is set at a percentage. This is where it can get really tricky because paying coinsurance on something really expensive like a hospital visit or an urgent care visit really super duper adds up. So for example, a health insurance plan might say that you have 20% coinsurance after you hit your deductible. So if you have a $1,000 ER visit, which unfortunately would be a really cheap ER visit in the States, then you would if you had a 20% coinsurance, that would mean you would be responsible for $200 of it. Um, this is one of those cases where you may actually have coinsurance and copay for the same visit. Real frustrating, but this is generally true. So if you rack up a surgery bill and your medical service costs $10,000 and you have a 20% coinsurance, you would pay $2,000. However, this is where it's important to note your out-of-pocket maximum. And you can have two different out-of-pocket maximums. You can have an in-network and out-of-network. So if you're on what is called a PPO, which is a preferred provider organization, which is the most common form of health insurance in the States, often providers can be considered in-network or out-of-network. Sometimes your co-insurance cost for out-of-network can be as much as you are expected to pay 100%, uh, which at that point, I'm not sure why it's called insurance, but okay. The... Fun, fun part about uh, dealing with in-network and out-of-network is that if you go in for something like a surgery or hospital care, you may not have control over whether or not the providers are considered in or out-of-network. Um, this isn't just true for emergency services. Uh, I broke my wrist this year. I had no control. Even though I went to a hospital operated by my insurance plan, there was a high risk that a specialist that was involved in the surgery who I had no choice in may be out-of-network. Uh, very common for anesthesiologists and types of providers like that to be out of network, and you usually don't have a choice. So you might pay a different percentage, but your saving grace here is what is called the out-of-pocket maximum. And if you are on an ACA-compliant plan, you will have to have an out-of-pocket maximum, and that out-of-pocket maximum can't be any higher than like 7500 a year, I believe, for the year 2020, um, if it is an ACA-compliant plan. And the good news in that case is if your coinsurance hits above, you know, if you end up having something very costly happen to you or something, you know, just your drug is really expensive or something like that, you will hit your out-of-pocket maximum, even if your coinsurance is really high. So that is extremely helpful to know. Sometimes copays don't count towards your deductible as well, which is really fun. So if you have one of those plans where your coinsurance or copay exists before you hit the deductible, uh, occasionally that will not count towards your deductible, which is just a really fun thing they can do. So <laughs> this is just, can you tell, I'm just losing my will to live as I discuss what it takes to stay alive in the United States. So 
those are the basics on copay versus coinsurance. Um, the the great news is that copays, because they are flat fees, they can really help you predict what your healthcare costs are going to be, um, especially if you're on just kind of a regular drug that you know what it is going to be. The downside of both copay and coinsurance is that they really, really can add up over time. And sometimes they're if you have a high deductible plan, it, they might be irrelevant to you because you'll never actually hit that deductible and they're only after deductible. All right. For our next segment, we have a listener question, which I think is a bit more uplifting. Uh, Jennifer asks, I realize this is a good problem to have, but I currently have really good insurance with no premium and reimbursements for copays and deductibles, which is awesome. It includes vision, dental and medical. I'm in good health overall. I have asthma, but it is very well managed and I only rarely need treatment. I don't expect to have this kind of coverage forever, though, knowing how benefits tend to get eaten away, even if I do stay at this job. If you have a good plan, what's the best way to make use of it while you have it? Uh, this is a really excellent question, Jennifer. This also comes up for a lot of our younger listeners that might be under 26 and they're on a parent's plan that uh, once you know, you're know you older than 26, you might get kicked off your parent's plan. But sometimes you've got a parent with a really great health insurance plan. And so they're like, what can I do to take advantage of this before I get there? I, there's a couple things that you can do. I mean, it's great. One, if you're in generally great shape and, uh, you know, don't go out seeking, trying to get by more healthcare just because you can, like, <laughs> but there are some things that you can stock up on while you can take advantage of it. Um, first one is, this is true, whether or not you have, you know, a Cadillac plan as they call them or not, make sure to take uh, advantage of any preventative screenings. This is true for anyone that has ACA compliant um, coverage because it does include um, annual preventative screenings, including certain kinds of STI screenings and stuff like that that you can get. Uh, that's also true at certain ages for breast cancer screenings, prostate cancer screenings. So it's just helpful to know about that. Um, if you do wear glasses or contacts, or if you use something like inhalers, like Jennifer is asthmatic, um, you can often stock up. So make sure that you can kind of get your maximum. Contacts are one of those things where, uh, you know, some I had really good vision insurance and I bought myself a two-year supply of contacts, uh, which is just very helpful because they're very expensive to buy on your own. But you can kind of think out of the box. There's some more expensive things that you can get done that depending on how good your health insurance plan, it may cover it. Um, therapeutic massages are one. Um, so if you need something like PT or therapeutic massage, you might be able to get it on your plan. Um, fertility testing is not covered by the vast majority of insurance plans, I would say, but there are some that do. So even fertility testing that's just trying to figure out what your egg count is or something like that, uh, whether or not you're actively trying to procreate at that moment in time, some of that stuff is information that you can just arm yourself with. Um, and then one of the ones that I've seen a lot of folks doing is allergy treatment. So the testing for allergies can be really expensive. And if you don't like needles, not that fun. Um, but you can actually go get a, a bunch of different kind of testing to see what you are allergic to. You may not know that you're allergic to some things. And there's even some uh, like shot regimes that you can do that can cure or heavily treat some allergies, such as allergies to cats or dogs, mold, Things that might make yourself miserable if, you know, you want to pet cute kitties or you have to deal with mold in your house because you live in the Pacific Northwest and it's always raining. So this could be one of those things where it's uh, great to kind of stock up on, uh, you know, preventing future allergies if you have that. 
in the end, I think it's just great to know that you have the safety net of having good insurance right now. I don't think you need to feel like you're missing out if you don't take advantage of it beyond just making sure that, you know, you do that preventative screening and take care of yourself. Right after this break, we will have our new segment on depressing healthcare headlines in America. Just a reminder that Oh My Dollar is supported by listeners like you through our Patreon, also known as the Personal Finance Society. Folks that pledge a dollar or more get cat stickers, perks on our forum, and more. You can learn more at ohmydollar.com support. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Time for our new segment, Why is American Healthcare So Freaking Broken? Our first story is American Healthcare is getting even more expensive and killing people. As part of the healthcare reforms under the Affordable Care Act, which was passed in 2010, the low-income healthcare program known as Medicaid was set to be extended to all Americans earning up to 138% of the federal poverty level. The federal poverty level is around $17,000 annually for a single adult. Without the ACA's expansion, adults who aren't 65 or older or disabled usually do not qualify for Medicaid in most states, no matter how low their income. Missouri's program generally only covers uh, pregnant women and children from low-income families, parents with incomes about 22% of the federal poverty line, so quite low, and people who are blind, disabled, or 65 or older. 36 states did expand Medicaid to include more of their low-income residents, up to 138% of the poverty line. But because of the court case that happened in 2014, there are a number of states that were holdouts who essentially have created arbitrary lines between low-income people with health insurance and without. A new study looked at essentially mortality rates and healthcare outcomes in states that border that had Medicaid expansion versus not Medicaid expansion. A recent University of Michigan study found that Medicaid expansion substantially reduced mortality rates from 2014 when it was implemented until 2017. The researchers said Illinois avoided 345 deaths annually, while its neighbor, Missouri, had 194 additional deaths each year. The same trends held true for other side-by-side states, such as Kentucky, which did expand uh, Medicaid, and Tennessee, which did not. It held true as well for New Mexico, which had a Medicaid expansion, and Texas, which did not. Once again, showing that it turns out when you get people health care, when they're low income, they die less. In our next depressing story, American health care is even more expensive now. Family health care coverage now tops its highest point ever at $20,000 annually for employers. 
While employers pay most of the cost of coverage, according to the survey, workers' average contribution is now $6,000 for a family plan. That's just their share of upfront premiums, their monthly premium payment, and does not include co-payments, co-insurance, deductibles, or any other forms of cost sharing once they need care. In firms where more than 35% of employees earn less than $25,000 a year, workers would have to contribute more than $7,000 for a family health care plan. Only a third of employees at lower-income firms are on their employer's health plans, compared with 63% at higher-wage firms, according to the Kaiser Family Foundation's data. Deductibles are rising even faster than premiums, meaning that overall patients are on the hook for even more costs of medical. For a single person, the average deductible in 2019 was $1,396, up from $533 in 2009. A typical household with employer health care coverage spends $800 a year in out-of-pocket costs, not including their portion of premiums, according to research from the Commonwealth Foundation. At the high end of the range, these costs can top $5,000 a year. Some large employers have reversed course on asking workers to take on more costs, according to a separate survey from the National Business Group on Health. In 2020, fewer companies will limit employers to so-called consumer-directed health care plans, which is just a different name for high-deductible health care plans. Previously, employers were trying to push more of these on their employees by using various incentives, including contributing to a health savings account, as an effort to lower this overall cost. This will now be the only plan at 25% of large employers in the survey, but this is down from 39% in 2018 when a lot of employers were trending to so-called consumer-directed healthcare plans. Here's the thing. Employers still need to retrain and attract employees, so for all their hemming and hawing, they're still figuring out other ways to keep health insurance coverage lower cost to employees. That makes them more inclined to make aggressive moves to tackle underlying medical costs, such as cutting high-cost hospitals out of their networks. In recent years, employers' health care costs have remained steady as a share of their overall total compensation expenses, showing that probably, in general, people are getting more and more health care coverage costs and less and less wages. Well, I think that's an exciting note to end our show on today. <laughs> we love hearing from you. Email us your financial worries or successes or any healthcare questions that you have this healthcare month at questions at Oh My Dollar. You can always tweet us at Anomalily or at Oh My Dollar. Oh My Dollar is recorded at X-Ray FM Studios in Portland, Oregon, and we are syndicated through PRX. The episode was engineered by Tony Scholl. Our videographer is Chase Spross. Our intro music is by Aaron Parecki, and I'm your host and personal finance educator, Lillian Kerbake. Thank you for listening. Until next time, remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.